This podcast is brought to you by GuestLogix, the leading global provider of ancillary-focused merchandising, payment, and business intelligence technology to the airline industry. To learn how GuestLogix can elevate your ancillary revenue potential, visit www.guestlogix.com. Our cover story this week in Airline Weekly looked at Kenya Airways and its struggle to make money amid some vicious terrorism acts and in the wake of the Ebola outbreak. Meanwhile, South African Airways is also unprofitable at the moment as it continues its turnaround plan. But there is one bright spot in Africa right now. In fact, it's been a bright spot for years. Yeah, Jason, that bright spot, Ethiopian Airlines. That's right. They've been profitable for a while now and said they earned $175 million in their recently ended fiscal year. They've got a terrifically young fleet, and they said this summer they plan to double the size of that fleet in the next 10 years. So there's no shortage of ambition there, and management seems to have the chops to take this a long way. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner at Airline Weekly. We're going to discuss Ethiopians' position of strength. We'll also talk about fast-growing and slow-growing airports around the world, and the freezing of new loans at the U.S. Export-Import Bank. Plus, Indigo Airlines, how do they do so well in India? A tough place to do business right now. The Airline Weekly Lounge is open. For joining us, let's get to it. The success of Ethiopian Airlines is no secret in the airline industry. They've got this terrific hub at Addis Ababa, which functions a lot like the hubs of the big three golf carriers, as well as Turkish Airlines in Istanbul. Seth, just how similarly does Ethiopian's network function like the networks of the carriers I just mentioned? Well, rather similarly in the sense that those golf carriers, although they compete in some of the biggest markets, really specialize in providing some of the most convenient connections with rather nice service between places that don't have any nonstop service. So, you know, imagine somebody, oh, not going from, let's say, London to Johannesburg, where there is nonstop service, but going rather from Rome to Johannesburg, where you know, there's a fair amount of demand in that market, but not enough to support nonstop flights. Well, a person like that is going to have to connect somewhere, and oftentimes they they use, yeah, one of those golf hubs, for example. But using that example, and it's certainly not the only one, uh, guess what? Addis is actually the more convenient connection, quite a bit uh, closer to being kind of along the, the great circle, straight line between Rome and Johannesburg. And really, it's that way for a lot of connections between uh, Europe and Africa. So, yeah, just like the golf carriers are often able to get people to sort of uh, take a rather large detour by offering rather nice, rather reliable, low fare service between points in Africa and where there aren't local reliable airlines in many cases and other places around the world, including Europe. Well, Ethiopian in some of those markets is able to offer an even more convenient connection. So uh, the same idea, a smaller airline, but in some cases even more convenient and a larger airline, certainly than its competitor, Kenya Airways, which you mentioned in the intro, which competes for, for some of that same traffic too, using its hub in Nairobi. They also have another advantage, and that is they are largely left alone in Africa. 
I'm reminded of the old Northwest Airlines, now a part of Delta, and how they used to say of the upper Midwestern U.S., an area they dominated, they used to say, it's cold, it's dark, and it's all ours. Well, East Africa certainly isn't cold or dark, but is it all theirs? Well, if not all theirs, certainly more theirs than than anybody else's. Uh, yeah, for good analogy, you know, um, it, it, it's yes, good to be an airline that um, is perceived uh, certainly in a part of the world where even you know even safety isn't taken for granted as a safe alternative to some other airlines. Uh, you know, certainly a reliable alternative, uh, very young fleet, uh, and um, so so yeah, it's it's it, it is more their part of the world than anyone else's. Uh, even though certainly they aren't free of competition, they do compete depending on the market against uh, against various other carriers, against the Gulf carriers, which you mentioned, against in some cases European carriers for some traffic flows, uh, and against uh, the other sub-Saharan uh, carriers. But uh, but yeah, it, it's um, it's hard to envision anybody else. Uh, providing any real meaningful competition against them anytime soon, particularly for some of those flows involving secondary points in in sub-Saharan Africa and uh, and elsewhere in the world. They've made some other strategic investments too. They own a portion of ASCII in Togo out west and down south, Malawian Airlines. Uh, This strategy has worked for others. Will it work for them? Well, yeah, you know, a little bit like what oh, let's say AirAsia Group has done in Southeast Asia, or or um, what LAN, you know, now LATAM has done in in South America. These are companies that uh, you know, would have liked to acquire all of an airline in another country. Understood that because of, of foreign investment rules that exist in most countries, they couldn't do that. But they set up these rather creative joint ventures, uh, you know, where where they went in and uh, took an existing carrier, uh, started managing the carrier, took as much equity as they could, uh, successful in those other examples I gave you in, in, in Southeast Asia and, and uh, South America. And uh, yeah, by all appearances, rather successful for Ethiopian, um, you know, just 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 you know, just providing that management expertise uh, has has helped these other airlines. And now that's traffic that they can feed into their network gives them some, uh, you know, some some geographic abilities that they wouldn't otherwise have, you know, having having a uh, uh, sort of a, a, a proxy hub in Togo, you know, out out west enables them to fly 767s to uh, a place like Sao Paulo in, in Brazil. Brazil, uh, whereas they wouldn't be able to do that from Addis in East Africa, for example. So it gave them some of that flexibility. And uh, yeah, th- this is an airline that, although it's made mistakes like all others, it has, has, has been right more often than it's been wrong. And uh, th- those joint ventures seem uh, so far to, to have worked rather well for it. Is Ethiopian now the biggest airline in Africa? By some measures, yeah. I mean, they have they have the biggest fleet. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, just took a look at, at some DO data, um, uh, ASKs, for example. Uh, they're the biggest, uh, really the biggest by any measure, bigger than uh, than Kenya Airways, uh, very clearly larger than than, than KQ at this point. Uh, compared to South African Airways, kind of depends on how you measure it. Uh, they, they have a lot of uh, uh, sort of very short haul feeder service, so they have a lot of uh, they, they have. Far more flights, a little bit more in the way of seats. Although, as I said, uh, in terms of uh, ASKs and fleet, um, Ethiopian's bigger. So, so it really depends on how you measure. But yeah, a, a rather large airline and one that uh, continues to grow uh, rapidly and, and by all appearances profitably. Although, just to put a little bit of an asterisk in that, you know, you mentioned those those uh, profitability figures. 
in the intro. And, and although there's no particular reason to question those, we should just note that it's not a publicly traded company and they don't publish audited financial results, uh, which Kenya Airways is a publicly traded company, does have to provide those audited results. So not entirely apples to apples. You kind of just have to believe the figures that Ethiopian is is, is providing. Uh, no particular reason to question them, but just, just in fairness, uh, you know, they're not held to quite the same reporting standards in terms of their financials uh, as, as Kenya Airways is. One of the few worries Ethiopian has is that the U.S. has not reauthorized funding for the Export-Import Bank. This is troubling Kenya Airways, too. How big of a problem is this around the world? Well, it's 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 a problem, uh, you know, for for some of these airlines that depend on this on this uh, kind of financing. Uh, what what export import financing is, and it exists all around the world. Uh, you know, the, these these export credit agencies, it's are kind of known generically, uh, whether it's the Export Import Bank of the U.S. or Export Development Canada, which which supports Bombardier and and equivalents in Brazil and Europe and and um, and elsewhere. Uh, so so. So these uh, agencies provide loan guarantees. They don't actually lend money, um, but you know, when when there are airlines around the world, particularly but not only airlines that you know might not have the best credit histories in the past, they say, look, uh, you know, another bank will lend the money, but if something goes wrong, uh, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and, and guarantee that loan. And so, it, you know, in, in, in a few cases, it might mean that an airline is simply able to get financing that it would never otherwise get. In other cases, it'll get more attractive financing because obviously the, the interest rate can be lower if there's a guarantee. So, um, you know, so 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 sure, it's it's a problem for uh, those airlines. It's it's a problem certainly for Boeing, which which uh, you know likes to export aircraft to these airlines. Um, Ethiopian being a very good example there, uh, and and to to Boeing suppliers and so forth. Uh, you know, this this all started with uh, Delta in particular and some of its peers to, to lesser degrees uh, complaining that this was you know basically an unfair subsidy, even though the Exim Bank isn't really subsidized. It actually turns a turns a profit. Uh, but they said, you know, this this isn't fair. Uh, you know, these airlines are able to access terms that we ourselves can't access when we uh, when we when we buy Boeing's. Um, although, you know, the reality is that because these agencies exist all the way uh, all around the world, you know, in some ways it, it creates you know, more of an imbalance to not have one just in one major uh, uh, aircraft exporting economy would, you know, they still exist around the world. But um, uh, yeah, so far, the U.S. Congress has not reauthorized the Exim Bank to to uh, to to start new loans. So they're servicing the existing loans. And uh, these are really political questions uh, at, the, at the moment, uh, which do nonetheless have, have uh, impact on, on the airline industry, both uh, on the, the U.S. Uh, manufacturing industry in particular, uh, and, and then on the ability of airlines around the world to uh, to uh, to access those aircraft. And lately, political questions equal uncertainty. Okay, uh, we talked about Ethiopian to some degree, having much of a con continent all to itself. But just the opposite is true in India, where the government has been supporting Air India. Etihad has been supporting Jet Airways, and that has created a very crowded market. Still, the low-cost carrier Indigo is thriving in this tough environment. They made $200 million in their last fiscal year, more than Ethiopian even. How do they do it? Yeah, uh, yeah, very much like Ethiopian, right? In, in in the sense that it's an airline that's that's thriving in a region where others haven't. Um, and Indigo is one, by the way, that 
uh, for for most of its history, would uh, report good results, but not audited. You know, it would say, "Oh, we're doing well," um, but not even provide any you know much specificity at all in terms of figures. And you kind of had to believe them. And now that they're preparing for for an initial public offering for an IPO, they have had to release results. And in fact, those results have. Uh, it turned out to be good. Uh, you know, they, they weren't kidding when they said they were doing well. Uh, and all the more stark in a market where, where so many of its competitors struggle. Uh, you know, they're an airline, low cost airline um, that's basically kind of stuck to the script. You know, they haven't gone off and, and tried to you know get into different kinds of operations. Yeah, I mean, they're a low cost operator. Um, they are, by all appearances, very well managed airline uh, backed by, um, well, Rakesh Gangwal, who was a former executive at U.S. Airways, who uh, back in the 1990s was was involved in placing what was the the biggest ever order from Airbus. Uh, so a very close relationship with Airbus there, uh, dating back to this point decades, uh, which indicates that uh, you know Indigo is probably getting pretty good deals on those aircraft. Uh, you know. The, with a deep relationship like that with the manufacturer and also the reputation of the management team helps. Well, we were just talking about financing and all of that just helps get good terms on everything. So, uh, yeah, so by all appearances, an airline that's, uh, that that's run rather well and that probably gets a, a good deal on, on its most important assets, its aircraft. And so, uh, those give it, uh, those advantages in a market where the competitors range from, uh, you know, anything like a, a just a bumbling airline like Air India, uh, you know, obviously heavily gov- government supported too. You know, to some others that, to varying degrees, are uh, you know more reminiscent of airlines around the world, but uh, but not quite those tight operations with that same sort of global reputation for the management team, maybe that Indigo has. One thing that interested interested me in this week's Airline Weekly uh, was a list of the hundred biggest airports ranked by how fast they're growing or shrinking. This compared fourth quarter scheduled seats this year versus last year, and it provide, provides a sort of heat map of activity around the world. So I was thinking we could play a little word association. I'll throw out an airport and its ranking, and you tell me whatever pops into your mind. So if I say here we'll practice. Uh, if I say Doha ranked number five at 17% growth. You say Qatar Airways. As 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 Qatar goes, so goes Doha. Does that does that does that work? Did I did I? Right, yeah. right, and yeah, no, a Gulf carrier growing very fast, going to be at the top of the list. Um, okay, let's try let's try this now for uh, for real. Uh, looking at number 20 at 10% growth, one of the few, one of the only uh, U.S. airports to crack the top 20 was Seattle. Yeah, uh, come on, you got to challenge me more than that, Jason. <laughs> That's uh, you've got the uh, you know, the war between Delta and, and Alaska Airlines, the uh, capacity war there. Um, Southwest are a large player there too, but uh, there you have you know Delta really uh, has has been for the past couple of years going after Alaska. You know the, the, the people have called them frenemies, you know part friend, part enemies. Still, still close partners ostensibly, but uh, Delta uh, growing its international service there and then uh, trying to feed that with its own domestic feed because it uh, found that it couldn't access the the uh, the seats from Alaska Airlines on terms that it liked. So it went and did it on its own. And Alaska itself uh, still a, a, a very rapidly growing airline. So uh, certainly no surprise to, to hear that Seattle is growing by double digits. Okay, I'll try to be more nuanced with this next one. Uh, This one is in the top half, but I picked it because it wasn't that high, not as high as I expected anyway. 
Number 28 at 8% growth was Dubai. Yeah, and, and that kind of speaks to uh, an overall trend, which is uh, that you sort of, uh, and when I you know, took a look at the uh, the overall list, you sort of see this 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 rebalancing. Whereas you know, in recent years, uh, you had uh, you know, just emerging markets and the Gulf hubs, you know, just all stacked toward one end uh, of, of the list. And then at the other end were, you know, just, just developing world airports. And, 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 um, although, you know, some of that still exists, it's not as clear as it used to be. And that's partly just, you know, the global economy rebalancing back, uh, you know, the U S airline industry now growing rather rapidly again. Um, and, uh, so yeah, Dubai, uh, you know, just, just kind of a, a mature market. It's just when it's, when you're that big, it becomes hard to continue growing by double digits. Okay, three European airports had high growth. Manchester at number 24 with 9% growth. Dublin at number 16 with 11% growth. And coming in at number 14 with 12% growth was Copenhagen. Okay, uh, let me try this because genuinely I, I uh, yeah, had, hadn't, hadn't given much thought to that before you, uh, you uh, named them. But um, uh, what, what, what airline comes to mind, first of all? Manchester, Dublin, Copenhagen. Ryanair, Ryanair, Ryanair. <laughs> Run with that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, they they are uh, Copenhagen. They're they're coming in there in in um, uh, in, in an important way. Uh, Dublin uh, starting up their growth there again. Yeah, of course, a very important airport for uh, for for this Irish low cost carrier and one where they, um, they've, they've kind of, uh, ramped up or, or, or tapered their growth over the years, depending on the kind of deal that they get from Dublin airport. Now they're, they're happy again. So, uh, growing again there and, um, and, and Manchester, uh, as well, an important, uh, an, an important and, and growing base of operations for them. Okay. Moving to the bottom of the list, number 92, negative 1% growth. Airport is Tokyo Haneda. Yeah, wow. So it, you know, th this is after after rampant, you know, rather rapid expansion there, um, kind of taking a breather. Um, you know, part of it there was this exuberance over uh, the ability of new long haul international rights there. You know, for an airport that's sort of very convenient to the central Tokyo, um, but that for a long time that that kind of service just wasn't allowed. Then it was. But oh, now it turns out that um, because of the 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 times at which airlines, particularly, are, are permitted to fly to the U.S., uh, you know, it, it it just wasn't as viable as they as they hoped. So basically, you had this um this rapid expansion in in uh, over the past couple of years, uh, but now uh, you know just, just everybody sort of uh, tapering their hopes and, and waiting to get uh, not, not only the right to fly but the right to fly at at viable times. Okay, number 93, also at negative 1%, Chicago Midway. Yeah, and, and there too, it's, it's, uh, it's mainly Southwest um, focusing its growth elsewhere. It's huge at Midway, um, but just sort of uh, focusing its growth in particular at Dallas Love Field, where the right amendment went away. And so, uh, so you see a lot of Southwest airports where, um, you know, it's not necessarily that things are bad, but uh, just, just the opportunity has, has been in Dallas. And also, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Sun Country Airlines is, is no longer going to be served. Midway, so you know, in a small way, that's that's the other sort of noteworthy airline that's that's pulling out. But Midway had really been a 
a superstar for for a number of years and and uh, now taking a breather as Southwest sort of allocates so much of its new growth to Dallas Love Field and, and also as it's gotten uh, new slots at those capacity constrained airports like uh, LaGuardia and Reagan National uh, you know at any time it can put new capacity into those it it does so okay last one number 96 negative three percent growth Kuala Lumpur yeah that's uh the sort of you know, macro Southeast Asia, uh, you know, talk about taking a breather, you know, certainly you know, the emerging markets that in general, um, are, uh, are, are cooling. Um, and, and, and in Malaysia in particular, you've got, um, Certainly, uh, Malaysia Airlines now going through a restructuring and shrinking rather dramatically. Um, AirAsia X also the long haul arm of of AirAsia. Boy, talk about uh, kind of kind of saying about uh, Haneda. You know, hopes that uh, that maybe uh, didn't didn't pan out. Uh, you know, there were there were uh, in some circles high hopes for that airline. You know, that it was going to be among the first to prove that you could make money with low cost long haul flying. Um, and although. You know, maybe you can in a few places around the world. They certainly haven't figured out how to how to do it yet. They're they're losing all kinds of money, and um, so uh, you know they they too are are uh, you know pairing their ambitions. Okay, that ends our lightning round, and that uh-huh. ends this edition of the Airline Weekly Lounge. I thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Malawian Airlines. Gotta gotta learn to pronounce that. Malawian. <laughs> <laughs>